0: We're always searching for the next big thing, the next big revival, the next big moment. We have all these great ideas and we believe the Holy Spirit's on them, and I and I do believe that God gives us all those. But then asking, okay, God, but how do you want me to go about doing it?
1: Welcome to your Pastor Reads Books. I'm your host, Heather Weber, and today my guest is Pastor Troy Renter, who talks with me about Gregory Boyd's book, Present Perfect. Finding God in the Now. Troy is the pastor of Harvest of Hope Church in Harlan, Iowa, and a licensed mental health practitioner. In our episode today, we talk about what it means to nurture God awareness in the present moment rather than just running from one God-related activity to another. Since Troy is a mental health professional, he also has some words of wisdom to pastors about when to encourage congregants to seek professional mental health care. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, Troy, welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So it'll be fun.
1: I'm glad to have you. Um, I introduced you just a moment ago as you know the pastor of Harvest of Hope Church in Harlan, Iowa, which is in southwest Iowa. But you are also a licensed mental health counselor, and yep. that is a unique combination in a pastor. So can you tell me about which came first and and how and why?
0: Um, well, I don't it would be I think it would have, we'd have to go way back. Um I, I was, before becoming a pastor, I was a uh, social worker, case worker. I worked for CPS. I worked for Child Protective Services. I was a tracker, a case manager. I worked for Child Support Agency, tracking. Um, that'd be dad. So I was very active in the in that field. Um, I also did uh, as a secondary therapist in an the in-home team because um, I only had a bachelor's at that time. Um, when we lived in Wisconsin. So I worked for the county. And then I started leading where we were, me and my wife were leaders in the youth group. Um, And we started, um, the youth pastor had left, so they asked me to take over. So I took over for a period of time, led them through that one. They hired someone else. Um, That one did, uh, that youth pastor didn't work out. Um, So they asked me again, can you lead it again? And basically we just kept rebuilding the group. And finally they our district director for youth and children's ministry, basically just asked, Hey, when are you becoming a youth? When are you going to become a youth pastor? Is obviously you got the talent for it. You've got the abilities, the skills. And at that time I, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm loving what I'm doing. Um, But um, I started leading more missions trips for our church network um, in Wisconsin. And while I was on that trip, the missionary we were working with, we were, we had three different teams throughout the country of El Salvador and we were driving to the next to check on the next team and he while we were driving it was a two and a half hour drive he just started asking me questions about the ministry and why why was I the leader but I was the only non-credential pastor on the entire mm-hmm. team so it got to be that discussion and and so I started praying about it and then Finally, it was like the third intern time of taking over the youth group, had grew, grew it again. Um, I was getting tired of watching someone come in, destroy it, and then come back and rebuild it again. Wow. And uh, we, I just finally walked in and said, all right, you won. Hey, how do I become a pastor? And so it went through that process, went back, got my credentials. Um, the church put me on part-time while I was um, still working for... Um, the county. And then we had a job offer to um, our first full-time job offer. But we had been involved in social work in that field for a long time. When we lived in Omaha, we worked on an anti-gang task force. We worked at a mental health hospital. We worked in residential treatment facilities, Um, all day care type, not day care, day programming. Uh, For at risk kids, so and mental health. So I've always been in that field. So that was something along the lines that fits into somewhat my education, my bachelor's. Mm -hmm. Um, So now moving forward, uh, then after all the years of doing a lot of pastoral counseling and um, discovering that, um, you know, there, even though I had tons of skills, tons of training, uh, certifications, reading, all that there was still, um, a need to, uh, to, um, there was a lot of times where I was still referring out because cases were more than really more than I should have been, you know, needing to take on or could take on or provide. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and because of being in the field, I could recognize that. And so I decided to do that. And then, now fast forwarding to here, I again was starting to get a lot of requests for counseling because there's mm-hmm. such a huge need, and I found myself um, again referring out because I could only mm-hmm. take them so far in pastoral counseling, and uh, and then um, realizing, well, I guess it's time for me to improve my skills, improve my knowledge, and so I went back, got my master's, did it in two years, got my master's in two years. And did full time while I pastored full time. Wow! And uh, and then did all my internship hours while I was still pastoring. And so yeah, then I uh, finished last March, took my test for to become a th- uh, licensed therapist. And so and here here it is now.
2: Woo-hoo. And so
0: then, yeah, so um, I've already started building my caseload. Uh, most of them are outside. Everybody I have is outside of the church. So. Wow. I still do pastoral counseling for mm-hmm. those that are members of our church, part of our church. They just get to tap into some skills that I wouldn't have had before. Yeah. And um, but if but all the rest of my clientele will be outside of the church.
2: Wow. If they enter
0: into the church, they just know that that won't be discussed while we're during that time. It's a, it's a kind of that break that mold of, hey, this isn't going to happen. I put those boundaries in. Uh, those type of things. So I
1: see. Yeah. So if they come to the church, it's like I'm your pastor here, yeah. But I'm a therapist over here, and yep. you have the ability to hold all this together uh, as a full time pastor. How do you do that?
0: I, I I well, we don't have any kids at home, so that's the that's the plus. Um, you know, our <laughs> and our kids are in that in that background. Uh, my wife works in that in this field. So, it uh, you know, in, in, in the school system. And so what I've done is I've just worked with, worked with the church. And as part of it, it's getting out there is who I'm representing, not just me. Um, yeah, I represent the church. And so um, I was already very active in our community. I subbed at the school a lot, helped with different com- huge community events. Mm. I sit on two county boards. So um, being active in the community was nothing different. Now I've just stepped back from some of those boards and things like that. And so I just implemented the um, therapy in those.
1: I see. So just like adding value, but in a different way, like in a more specific way. Yep. You said you said something I want to um, go back to. Uh, you mentioned that before you got this master's, you were... Because you were in the field of social work, you could recognize when a situation was beyond your expertise or your skill set. And I suspect, and having been a pastor and I am an ordained minister, like I suspect that for many pastors, it might be hard to know or to recognize when something is beyond your expertise or like when you should refer out, where like staying with somebody, trying to engage with them in a pastoral counseling kind of situation like maybe isn't necessarily going to be the best thing for them how would you recommend people navigate that while still being a pastor but saying you need someone with a skill set that I don't have to help you additionally
0: well I think I think just being honest with them and just saying hey we're I can still be your pastor I can still lead you spiritually and biblically but um, I think some of the struggles you're you're dealing with now are little beyond my, you know, even my understanding or capability. And I think there has to take some humility um, for the pastor. Um, I think we hold on to at times thinking that as pastors, we're supposed to have all the answers and we're supposed to be able to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I'm just going to be honest here. I've had to fix what other pastors have already done. Mm. And so like, and, and I already have a couple of clients already that, yes, I'm refixing or going back and, and working through some of the issues that have been, you know, the pastor with all good intentions and all the positive things. Maybe it started saying, it just started teaching where they just shouldn't dabble into. Um, when we, when we, even if we've, if we've only read a couple of books and we think we know it. Doesn't mean that we're an expert at it. And I don't, and I've never, and even though I've been working in this field as a pastor and mental health, because that's always been part of our lives, we had respite children pretty much the entire time we've been married Hmm. um, in our home through the mental health waiver. um, Me, nor my wife, or even my kids who all work in the field, consider ourselves experts and we all have education in it. So I think it's just realizing that there's a level where. Hey, how long have you been meeting with this couple and how and or this individual and they're still dealing with the same issues or they're mm-hmm. coming in a week, um, is realizing that and and being honest with them, and I think that's and I think that's where that level of this going, you know what I think th- these are just a little beyond my my ability or care.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and I suppose some people might experience that as oh no, like are you rejecting me? But. Really, it doesn't have to be that way, right? No,
0: because you're still walking with them.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you're bringing somebody else onto the team, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I think this is an under discussed area, and you don't see very many pastors with like your unique set, you know, combination of skills. So that's pretty awesome. So you're so engaged in the community. Um, you've been in school for um, you know about the last two years. What is your relationship with reading like? Are you a lover of books? If not, why? How did that develop?
0: Um, well, prior to school, I read. I'd read. I I kind of like when I read. I really like to take in the whole book. So mm-hmm. I may where I could really I could probably fly through a book and you know a book a week if I mm-hmm. need if I do but I'm more like, I like to inhale a book. So I, I like knowledge. I like, I'm kind of weird like that. I really love learning something new, a new statistic, a new value, a new whatever. So I've always implemented that in. So when I did, wasn't going to school, I read a book a month, just started doing that. I actually read 13 books a year. I Mm. had one book that was just for fun and all the rest of them were of educational value, challenging value, all those things. So um, working from that, um, and I would just take my time going through it. I marked them up. I have them categorized by a certain color of uh, different things that I could use in a message, or this is personal, um, this is life-giving, and, and it didn't matter what the book was. It was just different style, mm-hmm. and um, and that's kind of how I read it. And or used it, and so that's where I started. And so when I went back to school, it really wasn't that hard um, to for me to go back in. But plus, I had to read an awful lot of books in a very short period of time. So, um, so reading that, I kind of got paused on my fun reading, and it was more educational reading during than the left for the last two years. Gotcha. So,
1: yeah. and all
0: Same amount of books. Same amount of time. Just a lot more in-depth educational.
1: Yeah. On mental health counseling. Yeah. So what is a book? And this is, doesn't, this isn't the book that we're talking about today, but like in terms of like those books that add knowledge, what's one that stands out one or two that stand out from the last couple of years that you were just like, I have, I have something in my tool belt because of this book.
0: Um, well, man, um, I'd have to go back and because I don't always remember the titles. So I have them on a file categorized by my classes. Um, Probably the uh, overall most interesting one was probably the most on, it was all on the different theories about doing group therapy Mm. and and the design of making, how do you connect with an individual? How do you connect with, as with a group, how do you Mm. manage that and with all the different personalities and that was probably one of the funnest ones I read in the sense that it was one that I could transfer that into working with kids ministry, working with youth mm.
2: ministry.
0: I'll do that. Um, working with, um, and even in pastoral ministry, dealing with different groups, bringing that even to my board meetings, not as that there were group therapy session. There might times where I could feel that way, <laughs> but what skills could I use from that to bring bring the group together mold them together and get them going on on the same direction working forward like i said i file them so when i am working on something or i go back i can type in um you know group therapy and then i'd have the list of books that i've read on that or okay is it my kendall is all based on on i do a lot of reading on kendall so uh my books are based on mental health, educational, fun, um, personal reading, spirituality, all those type of things. So it's it's all filed away.
1: I, I love talking to book uh, nerds about how we categorize and store information. Yeah. So you have like folders in Kindle yeah. or like reading lists in I- Kindle.
0: Yep, I have folders in Kindle, so I can just click on it. It will give me all the books that are in there.
2: Nice. I do listen
0: to a lot more books on Audible now than travel mm. or Drive. So I'll listen to a lot of Audible, um, especially now that I figured out how to highlight it or make a note on it, um, those type of things, because I will pause it and then make a note. Um, and then it'll save it and then go on to the next and keep listening from there.
1: That's super so, cool. I didn't know you could do that with Audible. I don't use yeah. it, but that's really valuable.
0: I like, I really like Audible. So I'll probably listen to a book two or three times.
2: Wow.
0: That's like I said, I take it. I usually, if I'm reading a book, it'll be the whole month. And mm-hmm. so that's the book that I, and I won't jump to another book. I, mm-hmm. I might get another book. I might have one ready but I won't read it until I'm done. And Mm. so I do have a lot of books sitting on my shelf that have not even been touched yet because I just haven't gotten to them. Yeah. Um, Purpose is is that I know that they're there. I can go to them if I need them. But yeah, I stick to, I really, like I said, I like to inhale. I really like to see what comes out of it for me.
1: You really digest it and kind of take your time that month. And I love what you said. I think every guest on the show has a a library full of unread books. There was an article I read not too long ago about the value of what they called an anti-library, which is like your library of all the books you haven't read yet. But how how valuable it is because it's always reminding you that there's more to know, right? There, There are gaps in your understanding. And so it keeps us aware and perhaps questing for more. Right.
0: Right. Well, I don't I've always gone with the I we when I worked at a residential treatment center, my supervisor, which was well, really more my boss, more uh, so our, our program manager, she sat sat me down one day and was just talking and and she just said, you know, and she had been doing mental health for for 30 some years already. And I was just a college, you know, young college student yet or and she was basically saying that, I can't quote her to a T, but it's basically saying that you'll just realize you'll never become an expert, no matter how much you think you know, Mm. and you'll never and so never lose that desire to know more.
2: Mm. And
0: so, and as soon as you become an expert, then it's time to leave the field.
1: Yeah, because you can't grow anymore if you think that. Right,
0: you already felt like you're the expert. So, and and that was something that she's she always she kept learning. She kept going to classes. I mean, she didn't have to do it anymore. She was at more the pinnacle of her thing, of her, you know, where she was at and, and running, you know, basically a hospital. But here she was um, telling me, yeah, I I still go to training. She still went to stuff. She was reading books and and challenged us on that. And, and she said, if I ever get to that day is the day I know I got to walk away. Mm. And I've kind of listed that as my, is that my time is whenever I feel like, I feel like that I become that expert, then it's time for me to step away to mm. the, the that I'm no longer the expert. So mm.
1: wow, yeah. that's so interesting. Well, tell us uh the name of the book and the author uh of the book that you want to talk about today.
0: Okay. Well the book that I picked, or one of the books I because I was one of them I was reading, um, uh, was called Present Perfect, Finding God in the Now. It's by Gregory Boyd. Um, you know what was interesting about this book, it was, um, my wife had started reading it, sent me a couple excerpts. It's one of the few books I didn't really even research or look at. I just ordered it on my Kindle and then also on my audible and just started reading. Normally I'll look into the author. I'll investigate who they are. Um, is this, I just decided, um, and a lot had to do with the fact that I, Really invest into my own self care. I mm. um, think pastors, even therapists, don't do enough in their own self care, their own taking care of themselves. Um, what do you do? And because of the, um, at the university I went to, they made it such a huge ordeal. I think it was in my, actually, one of my first classes was all about personal self care. And they had mm. to, we had to develop an entire plan. Of what we were going to do to take care of ourselves as university students for the wow. next two, years. and wow. so and lay that out, and that was part of our grade. We got graded on that with input of like, how is this going to benefit you, and how is this going to sustain you for two years, and, wow. and also what do you, what changes do you foresee in those two years? Hmm. And one of them was is just being more conscious and being more present in things. I think because people go, you know, I, I get asked a lot, how do you do? How do you multitask so so much so often, and and I do I multitask a lot and um, and I'm like being involved in things. I do know when to say no. Um, like I said, I'm backing off. I backed off on a few things,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but I think where this book came into was I was really focusing on being more present in the moment. When you're in you know doing therapy, um, you know the last thing I want to be thinking about is what's for dinner or the problem I have going on at the church or whatever, in that moment mm-hmm. I want to be with that person, that individual. And so it made me really realize how often do we do that with God?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We talk about it. We might pray. We might do this. And so since I have a very routine uh, of what I do, I really want to become more consciously present and challenged with God being the being focused in in my in in my everyday. Mm. So if I'm talking just even right now, how does God, how does he fit into this situation? How does mm. he what presence does he bring into every connection that I make, every conversation I do um, being conscious of that and, um, and, and really modeling that after what Christ, you know, kind of, that's what Christ modeled for us. If, you know, um, cause he always, he said, if you see me, you see the father. Mm-hmm. Well, I really want, People see me, I don't want them to see Troy. I want them to see Christ in me. Hmm. I want them. And so how do I model that in this moment and be conscious of that moment? Hmm. And not everything just become that routine of a day. So mm-hmm. that was where I felt like this book kind of pushed uh did that. And it was really kind of a it's it was been been pretty fun. I'm still not I'm done with it. I've been done with it. Um, but I've been going back through and reading segments because the month isn't over yet. So uh-huh. um, and so um I've been reading through. I've been reading back through all my highlights, and what challenges does that do for me personally? Even in my own devotional life, and and that's my even my own time of devotions has changed a little bit. So,
1: mm. so how does Greg Gregory Boyd suggest we go about doing this? Finding God in the now. Like, what are some principles?
0: Well, I think I mean his biggest thing that was is actually just pausing, and and pausing and what you're doing and, and really discovering, do I truly under first understand God's love for me? That answer, you know, that unsurpassable love that, that, so that work that he established on us, which we all know, I mean, really, for the most part, this book was very like elementary. So it's like, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I really, but that was one of the challenges about it. We, we have all the knowledge that we can right at our fingertips, we can Google any, anything. And for someone who loves Mm -hmm. diving into knowledge and wants to take in more and, um, and have these random trivia thoughts that run through his head (laughs) that almost anything. And, and also that, but really pausing in that presence and going, okay, here's, I'm about to make a new, you know, another connection with an individual or I'm going Mm -hmm. into this meeting how am I just going into this meeting just to talk about the meeting? How do I represent Christ in that moment? How mm. do I show them that love? How do I show them that their self, that worth that God's already placed on them? And it's basically taking it and transforming that, that worth that we know. And do we really know it? And then how do we see the other individual we're talking about? And do we see God's worth in that individual? Mm. I think that's, and that's really bringing that into that present moment mm. and just um, slowing it down a little bit so that we're not just doing a routine. Um, and I think the challenge was for me is like, okay, what would that, what would my day look like if God was completely involved in everything that I did? Mm. And yes, I am. I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I do my devotions. I pray. I have a very regular prayer time. I have 20 minutes of just contemplation where I literally just sit and don't, Hmm. only think about the the verses I read that day or on Mm. and and sit in silence and note things that God says I'm Mm. very yeah so you would say on that on that end well Troy what you God's always there but how many conversations do you have that that you just like we're having right now just talking and really where does God fit into that moment Mm. and how do we demonstrate that to someone Mm -hmm. and um, is it is it through our body language? Is it the conversation? It's the tone of our voice. Do we change stuff? Um, and not just reacting, but responding when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, and just being in that context of that moment.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's to draw our attention to that can be really powerful. So yeah. you've been, it's you know we're we're recording at the end of September, and so you've had almost a month to sit with some of this stuff what have you noticed as you've begun implementing this awareness in your meetings? Like, has anything surprised you?
0: Well, I think it's people have been, I think I've I've been able to better respond in some very tough situations. I've had some not so great conversation, you know, or meetings that I'm going to have to be in or um, where, or even in some of my therapy appointments, I feel like I've been able to respond in a much, different way than I probably normally would have. Um, I found my responses even more, even more accepting, or even being able to just sit in, I mean, one of the the greatest strengths in counseling is we always feel like we have to give advice, Mm -hmm. but the the best thing about counseling is just sitting in silence and letting the person think through it themselves and listening to them. And I found myself, because I'm wanting to be more conscious of God working in that situation, Finding myself sitting in silence, which is something very rare for me to do, mm. um, except outside of my morning time frame. Um and so I think that's that's one of the things that helped me out of this book was to really and then be conscious of what was going on in that moment. Mm. What was their response? How did I how did my body language connect with theirs? What was it that I noticed in them? What did I notice in their inflection? And I think it just brought a greater presence in that moment that was skills that I already had Mm -hmm. that I could read them on an instance was not very, it's not very hard for me. Um, Basically reading people is not very hard for me. Um, So, um, but what it did do is it slowed it down to become more personal Mm -hmm. and they'll listen a little bit more. So, yeah.
1: Wow. So, I mean, I often ask, you know, how is this book formed you as a pastor? But I think you're also answering, it's also, it's formed you as a, as a counselor, as a therapist. And how do you, because I, I'm picking up that there were some pauses in your engagement with people, like maybe, maybe some silence that you employed maybe more often than you used to. And so how do you coach people through that? Like if they're expecting the space to be filled, do you, do you say anything to people?
0: Oh, you let it be awkward and you being comfortable in awkwardness. I mean, because mm. really for the most part, I mean, people as pa- come to us as pastors and we come into a, a meeting expecting that we're supposed to give them an answer. Mm. When I would say 90% of the time, <laughs> they may think they want an answer, but in reality all they want to be is heard. Yeah. And, and they only want someone just to listen. And and in that silence, no, I just I let it be silent. Let them and normally what happens, and I mean really it's very rare that it, I really have to interject after a time. They come back around and they mm. start talking more. And they and it actually goes into that that conversation goes even a little deeper. Mm. So um, and so then I started just applying that then to my own personal experience with God. So even in my prayer time, instead of me just praying about my list or the things I was grateful for, you know, I, I have a very routine way I pray, but also then sitting it um really sitting in that silence and just let's okay, God, let's go a little deeper on this. Let's mm. just not let prayer be that simple prayer that I say every day or those simple. Mm thank you, gratitudes, and how much I do appreciate, because those are all those. But now I want to go a little bit deeper. And where does that go? Hmm. And I think it's those moments where, and then let us join God in that journey and let him join us in our journey together. And that spiritual, I think it just deepens that personal relationship with him.
1: Hmm. So if you were going to give some advice to pastors based on just reading this book and, you know, with your background as a, as a licensed mental health care uh, provider and, uh, and a, pa- and a social worker, um, what, what advice would you give to pastors listening? And what advice would you give to people who want to experience God in the now, who maybe haven't Developed an awareness of God with us. So, like two things as we end, you know, what would you say to pastors, and then what would you say to someone else listening who just wants to be more aware of God in the present moment?
0: Well, I think it's just slowing down. Um, I, I, well, I just, of course, I just did a um, a message that was built out of this idea of slowing down and 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 literally in our pursuit of knowledge. Taking that in and going, okay, what really? What is that? What are we doing with that knowledge? All the knowledge we take in, what are we really doing with it? And how does that affect us? And really, it's not us deciding what that is done. It's really supposed to be God that decides that, Mm -hmm. and literally letting God become the real true Godhead and the Lord of our lives. We 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 pray it, we say it. Yes, He's our Savior and and Lord of my life. Well, is He really? Who makes you know? slowing down enough to let that decision be made or listening mm. for that decision. Mm. And I think that's the biggest thing is just slowing your life down enough or be willing to slow it down, even in the midst of busyness. Because um, like I said, I have a very busy day today, mm. um, but I still took out, found time to slow down enough to be present in that moment and then watch and then actually watching for God to move in that moment. Mm. And me but I think we... We, we we're always searching for the next big thing, the next big revival, the next big moment, the next big. But really, even if you read when you read the Gospels, I mean, Jesus spit in dirt and wiped it on someone's eyes and they were healed. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, that was a, ended up being a big deal, but at first, everybody else was like, "What's going to happen?" He was drawing in the dirt, and everybody will drop stones and walked away. You know what I mean? When they're <laughs> gonna. He asked for a glass of water from someone. Can I have a drink? Mm -hmm. And it becomes a life-changing moment for Mm -hmm. that person. What life-changing moments do Mm -hmm. we miss? We are so busy doing our own thing. And Mm -hmm. because we say we're a Christian or we believe, we say we're a follower and we're just running through life, God's with us. Well, is God really in that moment? Mm -hmm. Is he really in that moment with you? And I think that's the biggest challenge I want to challenge our pastors and everything and everything we do as asking, is God really in the moment with you? Because I think we have all these great ideas and we believe the Holy Spirit's on them. And I, and I do believe that God gives us all those. But then asking, okay, God, but how do you want me to go about doing it?
2: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I think that's one of the things we, we have to catch on and, and, and making it about the moment right now. What, what's going on in your, you know, I, I asked a very pointed question in our, in our, for our congregation on Sunday. And I let a long, awkward pause be there on purpose. Mm. And then I went, what was your first thought? And I and I list listed off a litany of what all the thoughts would could have been in that room. And, you know, and I said, I don't know if any of you had those. I um and it was um so that was part of that challenge. So
1: Wow. Yeah, that's really good, Troy. I mean, I, I'm guilty of like, I'm a great strategist and a lot of people are, you know, a lot of us are consumed with our plans and moving on to the next thing. And we might love Jesus and we might spend time with him, but like, how aware are we that our plans and our movements are in step with his? It's a really good word to all of us. I want to thank you so much for being here. This has been a great conversation.
0: Thank you. I mean, this has been a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for listening in on my conversation with Pastor Troy Renter about Greg Boyd's book, Present Perfect, Finding God in the Now. You can follow Troy's ministry at Harvest of Hope's website. That and other resources we mentioned are listed in the show notes. Also, if you want to support the podcast in spirit or with your bank account, you can subscribe to it at yprb.substack.com. Give it a rating on your favorite podcast platform, share an episode on the socials, or send a link to a friend. Once again, I'm your host, Heather Weber. For more information about me, head on over to my website at heatherweber.org. That's Weber with one B. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to read a great book today.